There was a young mother who took her little boy to a special concert at their church. It was a spectacular event. Bright lights, wonderful music, great performance altogether. As they head home, the little boy couldn't stop talking about the concert. And even as they were getting ready for bed, the mother tucking her little boy in, saying their usual bedtime prayer, kissing him goodnight, the little boy surprised his mother with a deep thought. He said to her, Mama, I really had a good time at church tonight, but I sure wish Jesus could have been there. Imagine that, having a great time at church and wishing that Jesus could be there. Would church, would your life be different if the Lord wasn't there? Brothers and sisters, as we come to the last remaining days of the year 2020, I'd like to invite you to reflect with me on two critically important questions before we begin a new year. You see, your answers to these two questions would make a world of difference on how you will live and how your life will be in 2021. The two questions are these. Number one, where is God? Where is God? And secondly, what is God doing in your life? What is God doing in your life? Two critically important questions of which your answer will make a whole lot of difference. To help us sort this out, I'd like us to look at the last two, last few verses of the Old Testament book of Exodus. Many of us, when we think of the book of Exodus, we think of the freedom from bondage of the people of Israel, and that is what Exodus is. But it is more than that. You see, the book of Exodus is not just freedom from something, but it is freedom for something. The book of Exodus talks about freedom from bondage, but it is also about freedom for fellowship with God. And perhaps many don't realize that that is the heart of the book of Exodus. In fact, that is the heart of the whole Old Testament. In fact, that is the heart of the Word of God altogether. God wants to have fellowship with His people. Think about it. If you look at the book of Exodus, chapter 25, all the way to the end, chapter 40, that's over one-third of the book of Exodus, it's talking about just one thing. It's talking about God telling Israel to set up a structure called the tabernacle. God told Moses to tell Israel to set up a structure called a tabernacle. A tabernacle is simply a portable tent, and a tent in which God will meet with his people. Listen to Exodus 25, verse 8. This is what God instructed Moses. He said, And let the people of Israel make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. 
And then in chapter 29, verses 45 to 46, the Lord went on to say, I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. You see, it was God's plan from the very beginning, not merely to deliver His people from bondage, but to bring them into a relationship with Him. What made the promised land, the land of promise, is that God will be there with His people. And as you read through the whole book of Exodus, we have God's assurance that He will be there leading His people wherever they travel, dwelling with them wherever they camp. And through this, Israel will know God personally and intimately. And now we come to the very last few verses of the book of Exodus here in chapter 40, verses 34 to 38. And we will find out that this is God's plan all along. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to chapter 40, verses 34 to 38. The scene is this. Every piece of the furniture has been placed. And the tent is already set up. And the people were waiting expectantly. Soon God himself came and settled in their midst. Why is this important? What is this message for us today? Let me share with you the two important lessons for the journey called life. Would you look with me in Exodus chapter 40? Let's look first in verses 34 to 35. Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 to 35. It begins with these words. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle, tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The first important question in life is, where is God? Where is God? And the answer in Exodus chapter 40 is this. He is here. God is with his people. First of all, let's answer the question. Let's work on the issue. What is this cloud that is referred to here in chapter 40? If you've been reading the book of Exodus you would be familiar with this cloud. You see, this cloud has appeared earlier already. It first is seen in chapter 14, and it helped Israel during the crossing of the Red Sea. And the same cloud continues to guide and protect them through the wilderness. And the same cloud is what the Israelites saw on top of Mount Sinai when they arrived. This cloud was the way God chose to reveal himself. Someone once said, this cloud is a visible presence of an invisible God. That's it. The visible manifestation of the invisible God. It's God's way of saying, here I am, I'm with you. 
But this cloud was more than just a sign. You see, you could imagine as you travel through the wilderness how hot and how dry it is. This cloud presented a cool, shade-giving grace from heaven. It's God's way of graciously protecting, lovingly providing for His weak and helpless people. The message of Exodus 40 is this. God came. God is here. God is near. But the question for us is, do we want to be near Him? Even as God has drawn near to us, do we want to be near Him? That's exactly the invitation of James chapter 4, verse 8, which calls on believers to draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Whenever I think of this scripture, I'm reminded of the story of a man who have always rejected the message of salvation in Jesus. This man, think of the idea of God becoming man to save us from sin. He called that garbage. And there was one incident on a cold, snowy night that changed his way of thinking. You see, on that night, he happened to see three young cats outside his home walking past his window. The man quickly thought, what fools! They're surely freeze out there. So out of compassion, this man put on his hat, put on the coat, quickly went out, calling out to those cats, come here, come inside my home where you'll be warm and there'll be food. Out there, you'll surely die. But the cats were frightened by the stranger and quickly ran away. But the man tried to reach out to them. Come back, come back, don't be afraid. I want to save you, he said. But by then, the cats were already gone. It was too late. The man muttered, saying, well, I did everything that I could for them. What more could I do? I'd had to become a cat myself in order to reach them, to save them. Because if I became a cat, I could tell them, I could show them. Then they will believe me, unless they were fools. Just as he said those words, church bells rang in the distance. And this man, coming inside his home, knelt on his knees and began to weep. For he understood the message of the words he said and how that reflected the very heart of God. God came. God wants to be near, not just physically, but more importantly, relationally to his people. Psalm 34, verse 18, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. The Lord is near and saves those as have a contrite spirit, said the psalmist. I have a friend who always included two words after his signature. After he signed something, he will always write the words pro nobis, pro nobis. Those two words are Latin words, which when translated to English, meant for us, 
for us. And when asked why he would include those two words whenever he make he uh, whenever he signed, my friend always get choked up as he considered the words he will say. He would explain how growing up he experienced deep personal pain. And many times in his life he was even suicidal because he assumed that no one, even God, didn't care about him and perhaps even given up on him until he learned that God came and that God is for us. And it made all the difference for him. That God came in Jesus Christ, he find hope. And that those two simple words, pro nobis, summed it all up for him. That God is for us. And that is the message of the season, isn't it? That's what Christmas, that's what the Christian faith is all about. The fact that God is here with us. He cares and he longs to reach out to us. So the first question that we need to consider and make sure we know the answer, where is God? I wonder if you have the same answer as what the scripture has given us. Let's continue, shall we, with Exodus chapter 40. Continue on from verses 36 to 38. Let's read on. It says, Wherever, whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they will not journey till the day that it was taken up. Verse 38. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Here's the second important question in life. What is God doing in your life? What is God doing in your life? And the answer from this Last three verses of Exodus 40 is this. God must lead. God must be leading your life. That's what God wants to do. You know, think with me. Exodus chapter 40, verses 36 to 38 is a wonderful passage, especially for people who are on a journey. They're on a trip. Think about it. If you are on a long, difficult trip, what is it that you want the most? Surely you want guidance. You want assistance. But God has something better. He gave himself for us. Deep in our hearts, all of us who are on a journey, we long for a guide. Even more than a guidance, we want someone there to lead us along. Think about this. Which one do you prefer if you are lost? Would you like someone to give you a map? Or would you like a kind person to come along and say, Hey, I'm heading in the same direction. I'll go with you and I'll show you the way. Or on the first day of new school or a new job, which one do you prefer? 
someone giving you a list of options or directions, or a friend who would come alongside and said, hey, I got some free time. Why don't I show you around? Without doubt, we long for that person who would be by our side, who will help us, who will guide us along. You know, signs can be misinterpreted. Signs can be misread. Signs may be missed altogether. But God and a relationship with God will be secure. That's what we needed. That's what God knows that we can count on. And He wants to lead us each step of our journey, not just when things are, when he, we needed Him. And He does this best by coming alongside us, being in a relationship with us. But you know, I think there's a danger that we need to watch out though. As we look at this passage, I'm afraid that as we think of God's manifestation among His people and how He lead them, you know, some of us may think, wow, wouldn't it be neat to just kind of bring God along wherever we go, wherever we want to go. Somehow, many people may treat God as, as something we could just kind of stick inside our bag on a journey, on a trip. And whenever we need him, we could just simply pull him out. You see, most of the time, that's how we make decisions, don't we? You know, it's about where we want to go, what we want to do. And God is simply an afterthought. You know, just one more item to bring along uh, that would be good and, you know, pulled out whenever we need him, just in case. I am afraid some people treat God as like a divine ways, a GPS system to be consulted when we needed or when we wanted. But to live that way is to completely and tragically misunderstand God. That's not how it works, isn't it? Listen to Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. This is what God told his people. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or a mule, which had no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, or else they will not come near you. Brothers and sisters, the message of Exodus 40 is this. God came to be near us so that he could lead us in the way we should go. We are to follow God where he leads, as opposed to taking God with us wherever we decide to go. The lesson of the tabernacle is not so that Israel could take God along with them, but, so, but rather that they could follow God. When God instructs them to move, they move. When God settles them, they settle, and they dare not move until God says so. That's how it works. This week, I was reading an interesting book entitled Doctrine That Dances. In it, the author, Robert Smith, shares an interesting insight. He said, when I meditated on the word guidance, 
I kept seeing dance at the end of the word. I remember reading somewhere that doing God's will is a lot like dancing, at least classical dancing, not contemporary dancing. You know, doing God's will is like dancing. When two people try to lead, nothing feels right. The movement doesn't flow with the music. And everything is quite uncomfortable, even jerky. When one person realizes that and let the other lead, both bodies begin to flow with the music. One gives gentle cues, perhaps a nudge in the back, or by pressing lightly in one direction or another, then it's as if two become one body moving beautifully. The dance takes surrender, willingness, and attentiveness from one person, and it takes gentle guidance and skill from another. That's how it works. Smith continues, My eyes drew back to the word guidance. When I saw G, I thought of God, and that it is followed by you and I. God you and I dance. Guidance. God, you and I dance. Smith concludes with this word. As I lowered my head in prayer, I'm convinced it is guidance that I want in my life. For that, I am willing to let God lead. Brothers and sisters, God is here, and God must lead our life. You know, as we consider Exodus 40, perhaps some of you might say, wouldn't it be great to be in the days of Exodus? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have witnessed the cloud of glory of God filling the tabernacle, to be led by that cloud wherever it goes? It is, but... Let me share with you that something better has happened since Exodus chapter 40. You see, John chapter 1 verse 14 in the New Testament said, The Word became flesh, and the Word dwelt among us. That word dwell is the same word as tabernacled. The Word became flesh, and He tabernacled among us. You see, that cloud of glory, the presence of God took on flesh and bones. And He lived among us. He slept, He ate, He wept, He died for our sins, and He rose again from the dead. And Jesus is coming again. And for those who have a personal relationship with Jesus, we have the very presence of God living in us. God had moved in, and God said, I will be your God, and you will be my people. This morning, I began with two questions for us to consider, the answers of which will, as I've said, make a, a world of difference on how you will live and how life will be for you in the year to come. The questions are, number one, where is God? Where do you think God is? 
far away, un, uh, uh, unconcerned, uninterested. That's not what the Bible said. God is near. God is here. And God cares for us. Secondly, what is God doing in your life? Is He there just to do your bidding? Is He, he, is he here just so that, you know, you know, you have someone along? What the Bible tells us, what Exodus 40 tells us, is that God is here to lead us in the way we should go. I hope you have both answers in the correct. It was late 1985, a young Filipino Christian musician by the name of Arnel DePano sat down and he began to write out his most heartfelt prayer. He put into words what is, what is that, what he wanted the most from God. I want you to listen to Arnel's prayer and find out what it is that he asked of God that day. He begins with these words. Lead me, Lord. Lead me by the hand and help me face the rising sun. Comfort me through all the pain that life may bring. There's no other hope that I can lean upon. Lead me, Lord. Lead me all my life. Walk by me. Walk by me across the lonely roads that I may face. Take my arms and let your hand show me the way. Show the way to live inside your heart all my days, all my life. Lead me, Lord, even though at times I'd rather go alone my way. Help me take the right direction. Take your road. Lead me, Lord, and never leave my side all my days, all my life. You are my light. You're the lamp upon my feet. All the time, my Lord, I need you there. You are my light. I cannot live alone. Let me stay by your guiding love all throughout my life. Lead me, Lord. That prayer became the words of a song appropriately entitled, Lead Me, Lord, composed by Arnel DePano, popularly sung by Basil Valdez and Gary Valenciano. You know, many times, correct that, every time I hear this song, always bring me to tears, because that is what I want. That is the prayer of my heart. That's where I know I should be, in the presence of the Lord to be led by God. May it be your desire as well. May it be your prayer for the coming year. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for drawing near to us, for letting us know that we are not alone, that, Lord, God is truly with him, with us. And even as we rejoice over the Christmas season, remind us that it is not just a 
one day, one season reality that we can consider, but it's a daily truth that we need to live by, to know that you are with us, but also, Lord, that you want to guide and lead us in the way we should go. Lord, you know how our life is fraught with danger, how we had so much cares in our life. We just cannot live alone. We truly need you, O Lord. So we reach out to you, Lord. We hold on to you. We want to walk this road, this life, with you, O God, in your guidance, in your grace. And therein lies our joy. Therein lies our peace. We thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.